to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Welcome back, Amanda. Hello. We're here on an especially joyful occasion because it is a book highlights episode, which I think is what we call these. Highlights. I think so. Uh, it's not as fun to call it a collation of thoughts about books we've read episode, so we'll go with highlights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, uh, if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time, you've actually found a perfect place to start, so do not turn off that podcast platform of your choice. Just keep it rolling because you're in the right place. We are, as I mentioned, the Lightly Literary Podcast. You can find us on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram at the moment under the Lightly Literary Podcast. That's just all one word in the handle, so follow us there. We post updates and schedule stuff we do some promotions for the books we're reading and try and keep people up to date on what we're doing though i've fallen behind on the artwork amanda i'm you know gonna crawl my way back (laughs) the fight begins today i had two two posted last week so you know with that pace we we cross our fingers and see (laughs) um but check us out there um we're on just about every podcast platform as well so check us out on itunes spotify you know all the major carriers google store whatever else um so check us out there as i mentioned it is a book highlights episode every time we finish six books so every six book interval we take a pause and we take a week off to uh, collect our thoughts and record this episode essentially recommending and discussing very broadly without spoilers or in-depth details or analyses the previous six books that we've just finished which i believe in this count is 31 through 36 is that right yeah yeah so we're over the 30 mark. I don't, is that an arbitrary, did we achieve something? I feel like we should celebrate. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I've got my confetti cannon, but I'll shoot that off mic. It's, I don't want to edit that out later. So yeah, we'll save right. that for after the pod. It's just, mm-hmm. just for the two of us. <laughs> and yeah, the highlights are, it's just a time for you listeners to get a sense or a sampling of what we've been reading and what you might connect with. If you haven't listened to any six of those episodes, again, this is a perfect place to jump in because our highlight episodes tend to be about an hour long and we're just going to like discuss and kind of banter about the books lightly, talk about what we we liked what we didn't like things that worked and didn't work and so if you're just looking for a book recommendation or you're looking for a good read stick with us for the next yeah 45 minutes to an hour because we'll give these six books due consideration and um kind of highlight what makes them good any thoughts on this group of six amanda any you know big proclamations you want to make before we start talking about them i don't think so Nothing, no no grand sweeping poetic claims about this. I, I don't even know if there's any commonalities. It's a very literary group is what I would say. We're living up to that part of our name. Mostly literary, uh, I suppose. <laughs> I think on balance it is. I mean, obviously yeah. there's some exceptions in here as, as per usual. But yeah. I think that on on kind of a balance or a scale, it weighs in favor of the, not the lightly part of our name, more the literary part. <laughs> yeah, we've got a couple of nonfiction, and we've got short stories, and then and then we've got three novels. So I'd say that's pretty good. And then and the nonfiction is pretty literary too. Well, let's stop teasing them and jump right into them. We're going to begin with our first segment in the highlights episodes, which is a free associations. This is just what it sounds like. We are each going to discuss the book and then give the first word that came to mind when we thought of that book. As always, I have cheated on a couple of these or have kind of went back or (laughs) I think of something and then I immediately think of the better way to phrase it so we'll talk about that Uh, first book up slouching towards Bethlehem this is by Joan Didion it is an essay collection about a lot of things California in the 60s uh, hippie life New York City vacations just you know it's an essay collection Amanda what was your free association for this one mine was hippies 
Yeah. I, I think that it's pretty self-explanatory. Most of um, the essays are about that lifestyle and how that was kind of like the changing California. Mm-hmm. So the longest one certainly was. Yeah. San Francisco neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it is pretty morally in that zone. I guess I think she's. I don't know. She's pretty critical of everything she writes about, which is part of what makes it enjoyable to read, is her kind of hyper-aware criticism. And so, yeah, Hippies is good. I put California. Mm -hmm. So there are a couple essays, too, about... There's one that isn't... I wouldn't call it a murder mystery essay, but it's an investigation into a murder, kind of an abuse or a spousal... Not a spousal abuse, but a spousal murder. And there's some other California things. She also writes pretty scathingly about her hometown, which I now forget. Is it Sacramento? Yes. I think it's... Yeah, Sacramento. And so it's just not the, you know, gold-tinged, beautiful, illustrious California that maybe movies in Hollywood have taught you about. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed her portrayal of California. Very grounded and skeptical is the yeah. best way to say it. I like that. Next one. book up, we've got MASH, which is the book you're thinking it is, uh, listener. It's based on, or it's based on the TV show. The TV show is based on it. MASH was written first by a former World War II doctor uh, under the pen name Richard Hooker, which is not the his actual name. I didn't even look it up, but that's what it's published under. And it's just kind of a story of medical doctors in the Korean War trying to make it, and they're causing some hijinks. They're troublesome, but also they're dedicated and caring. Uh, what what about this one, Amanda? What'd you think? I put the word pranks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they have to let off steam somehow. And, and that's what I think of people who have watched the show. Remember the most is just the hijinks that go on there. And there mm-hmm. are definitely hijinks there. Um, but I talk Without about deep spoilers, later. anything, anyone stand out as most memorable? Uh, I, I guess for me, the most memorable one is the, um, the, Protestant uh, preacher and the cross situation. Okay. Yeah. Is that the also one that there's some Jesus imagery? I, that's yeah. the one that it came to mind first for me because I don't think I understand it still, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, I don't think I get it truly. I, I'm like sitting here even now thinking about it being like, did I understand the joke of that prank? Oh, well, I don't think I did. That's okay. <laughs> My association for MASH was fraternity, mm. and let's just shorten that to frat, because that word can, that long word can be misleading. I'm thinking of frats. This feels very frat boyish. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that these young men in the novel, and all the main characters are men. Um, there are some mm-hmm. women that, that come into the narrative, but they're not, they're not seriously considered. Yeah, it's very frat party, animal house style humor, and I think that can... That can come across poorly, for sure. I think I, I found it mixed. Uh, some parts, though, I thought were actually kind of charming, had some character depth to them, and then other parts I thought were just a bit shallow. So you you get that mixture. But yeah, it feels it makes sense that this is an age and demographic demographic sorry of human man where it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, if they weren't in a war, they would be in a college frat right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of hijinks they get up to. Uh, next book up is a novel, uh, which we'll put in heavy air quotes, <laughs> called The Midnight <laughs> Library. Uh, it's, sorry, I was laughing through that. It's called The Midnight Library by Matt Hag. It is a novel. It is a novel, although it reads like a self-help book. Um, 
And how about your free association for this one? I guess I should I describe it. I probably should. I, I, I did it for Mash and the other. Yeah. It's about a woman who is deeply depressed and decides to kill herself and in doing so enters into kind of a purgatory state of a library where she gets to observe other lives that she could have lived and it kind of spins from there i won't say more to spoil um sorry for laughing through that it's just amanda and i didn't like this book much that that'll probably be revealed throughout this episode <laughs> may as well say it up <laughs> I front so. <laughs> i mean the, you know the point of this episode after all listener you're uh, hearing us workshop it in real time is to you know give you our impressions of the book so there you go but sorry amanda to <laughs> cut you off what was your association with this one uh my word was choices yeah because yeah she she's offered a lot of alternate realities there so and and of course they're they're informed by previous choices as well so it's all about choosing your path in life i suppose but is she yeah anyway yeah <laughs> i'm just being yeah. a, i'm just being an ass <laughs> but it is worth asking <laughs> uh, it's funny uh i put so i had two words for this one this is one of my cheaters i put boredom at first but that isn't so much about the content of the book more of it's more about my reaction i just found that book boring and mm. too a little too predictable or rote the other word i thought of too is predictable because once you get a sense of the first couple things it does you just start to realize oh it's just going to do this this is the whole book you yeah. do you want to read more of these interludes for you know 150 pages do you not want to and so those are yeah that's more about my reaction but those are my two honest thoughts when i you know immediately thought of this book mm-hmm. uh, did any valid. parts grip you yeah without <laughs> spoiling me? much oh man that's uh no <laughs> that's a no yeah yeah <laughs> Me neither, I don't think, yeah. honestly. There, there is some mid-book twisty stuff that just didn't come to what we thought it would come to. Yeah, we had high hopes when those twists showed up and then... Yeah. Yeah, didn't didn't work for either of us, but that, that'll continue to be a kind of theme or idea in this episode. Next book up is Crying in H-Bart. Crying in H-Mart, sorry, I pronounced that funny. By <laughs> Michelle Zahner. It, it is Zahner, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I, I was. I think that's why I mispronounced the title. I was thinking ahead to the name and panicking because I had forgotten her last name. <laughs> anyway, Crying in H Mart is a family memoir about her mother's battle against Zoner's mother, uh, her battle against cancer, and how she kind of had to endure that. It also is a lot of family history, a ton of intergenerational kind of trauma, a lot of immigrant narrative because Zoner's mother is from Korea. Her father is not. He's from um, the United States, where Zoner grows up in, in America. In Seattle area? Is it Seattle or Oregon? Uh, yeah. Is it Oregon? Oregon anyway, area. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. The Northwest. <laughs> and rural. Rural-ish. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's about the history of her cancer treatment and how Zahner gets involved in that and just kind of her family's history. Amanda, take it away. What was your association? Mine was mother because that was just mm -hmm. the thing that's stuck out to me the most is just her relationship with her mother and, and the evolution of that over time. Yeah, it's quite intense. Yeah. It shows you that love, what do they say, Amanda, love hurts? Is that the... <laughs> mm -hmm. 
know the yeah. cliche love hurts that's it i can i'll clear out for a couple minutes if you want to do the whole nah. song i can edit i can just like edit around it or like you know do some highlights of it i'd no. be thrilled too my association was fittingly enough was just family i, I think mm-hmm. maybe i went broader because obviously she has other family members her father and then some extended family and they all show up in the narrative i, I think her father is an odd figure in this book is all i'll say there's some it, I think many times throughout our episodes, I joke that he should get his own book just because every time she drops just a little nugget about his life, it made me go, holy shit, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> and you're not going to tell me more about that? Like, okay. I, but no, I, the relationship between her and her mother is the reason to read. It's not yeah. yeah it's not a book about her father and, and her mother takes up the, the bulk of it for good reason. Interesting study. Painful read. Yeah, very painful. Fifth book up is Dubliners by James Joyce. Dubliners is a short story collection, uh, which is fittingly titled because each one features a different person living in Dublin. What is it, around the turn of the century? Late 1800s? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's industrial times, whatever, which I guess I'll go first this time because I just spoiled mine. The first word I thought of was grungy, but then I didn't, then I pulled back and thought, it's not so much a grungy time in in Dublin. It's not like it's a grimy world. And even the things that are industrial, there's some trains and some carriages and some... Is there even a factory? There's maybe like an allusion to a factory. But none of it is very... It's not written like to be Dickens-like. Or it's not, you know, it's not some intensely industrialized, disgusting landscape. So I think the word I really thought was industrial. This is mm. the word I'm cheating. This is the one I'm cheating on again. Because, yeah, for some reason my brain went like, oh, it's grungy. But then it's more or just kind of downtrodden or downcast. Maybe those are better words, Sam. Ooh, I still yeah. can't quit. I'm not even sticking to my original associations. <laughs> but <laughs> I like downtrodden. I think that's a, that's the perfect adjective for that. Mm-hmm. Um, How about my, for yours? Mine is immobility because what struck hmm. me the most is that this is a collection of short stories, and in each short story, is is the feeling of like being stuck of the inability to to move on in some way so yeah so for me it was just like not no movement towards anything fascinating i could see that too i was trying to think of some yeah commonalities through all the stories because it's they're so diverse which is part of the joy of the collection Uh, joyce obviously is a bit of a challenging author and he writes in a well, firstly, he wrote, you know, 100 years ago, which adds its own stylistic difficulties to reading these things. Right. But also, he already wrote in a pretty intense literary academic type mode. He did a lot of um, kind of free associations, not free associations, like stream of consciousness writing with, yeah. with his mm-hmm. narrators. I found these pretty readable, though. Yeah, for sure. This is the most is readable not, Joyce. <laughs> yeah, it's not his most dense stuff. So if you were just curious about him at all, it's a pretty good starting point, actually. Mm-hmm. The final book in the group of six is The Human Stain by Philip Roth. That is a novel, which would be impossible to summarize, and we struggled a lot summarizing <laughs> it on the episodes because it's quite dense. But the, the short version, the plot, I could do briefly. It's basically about a college professor who, because of a racist incident at his college, where he's the per- perpetrator of the supposed racism, he gets pushed out of the college, and then shortly thereafter begins a... <laughs> We can't call it an affair, can you? It's not an affair because his wife passes. So he he begins a relationship 
very scandalous one with a young woman who is in her 30s, he's in his 70s, and it's sort of about their entanglements, how their lives get tied up together, how he becomes kind of a pariah, and the fallout from all of these incidents. So it's definitely capital L literary. It's got big ideas about America, about post-war America, 90s America. The Clinton, Bill Clinton scandal shows up all over this book. It's a big undercurrent. Anyway, uh, what was your association with this one? It's pretty similar to yours. Mine is um, college. Yeah, yeah. It's not only does it take place like in a college setting, but like the vocabulary, everything, the tone of it, it's just very much like academia. Right, right. And I would say too, I think mine, so mine is professor I don't think this book is a good representation of what it feels like to be at college at all, because he's such an, you know, kind of foundational member of the college. He's so respected. He's tenured, presumably. I actually don't even know if tenure comes up. He's like a dean. Anyway, the point of this being, I don't think I would hold this book up as an example of like what college is like, quote unquote. It's more of an examination of successful, respected men in America and what happens when they get scandalized. I I might even say professors a better association because I might even say this book has slight contempt for college students, maybe, <laughs> or at least certainly a certain time and type. And yeah, I don't, I won't say much more. Again, our goal on these highlights is never to spoil. So if that intrigues you, then you know I won't say much more. But I don't, yeah, I don't think this book respects college students totally or doesn't have an interest in them. It's almost like they were a backdrop for him to kind of display his excellent brain. Mm-hmm. His genius. Same with, um, what was the woman's name, the uh, professor who he spars with? Delphine. Even for her, because she does come to the aid of one of the students at some point, even for her, though, it feels like just a proxy to fight with him through. It's like the yeah. students are proxies for her to battle him <laughs> is kind of how they. So anyway, yeah, it's an interesting view of college for sure, but not not maybe what you're thinking of if you've seen movies about undergrads. Right. Mm hmm. Any other thoughts on... Well, any thoughts on the opening six? So those are the six books we'll be discussing on the rest as we do other categories. Any other thoughts on those? No, I'm good. Excellent. Next segment, then, is called This or That. We are going to give two different categories, which are going to be pretty different from one another. And then we're going to describe which book of these six we think fits that category best and, you know, give you a brief rundown as to why we think that. Let's do our first group of categories here with This or That. A book to read on the beach or bring to the beach, or a book to study in a class. Like we're thinking, like a you know, like a college undergrad class. What's your pairing there, Amanda? Um, so for me, uh, Mash would be a good one to take to the beach because even though mm. it's about the Korean War and and uh, there's some pretty heavy scenes in it because of the the pranks and the hijinks and also just like the length of the novel and the overall tone of it, it's a really quick read and um yeah that it's not like it's gonna you know burst your brain with a whole lot of analysis necessarily so well and i think hijinks on the beach right that's not a that's a good pairing that's pretty natural fit yeah Right. We're here to have a good time, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't even say those things in a normal tone of voice. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, that means I'm washed. I'm just old and washed, I think. I, I can't even utter things like that without taunting it a bit. I, oh, and then what did you do for class? 
Um, uh, so to study in class, I said human stain mm-hmm. because there's just, I mean, it's meant to be this giant academic work that reams academia, which is hilarious it does. that you would want to study it in class. But <clears throat> it's, um, I mean, the vocabulary alone, right? <laughs> but then there's also different um, narrative voices that we could, and then like the final twist and how that changes the entire novel like there's just a lot that that we could discuss in a class setting i think with that book yeah i think it's it's almost too tailor-made for it which is such an odd contradictory thing to say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is it's so intensely academic i also would find i think we i read that book at just the right age or just the right remove from college because i think it would actually be kind of insufferable to talk about it with people who are in college Ah. it's almost like they would i don't know well maybe not though i I don't know it it also does pretty poorly by feminism which i think at this point it's like an important literary lens that i'm sure would come up in an intensive study discussion whatever and i just don't i just think it's kind of shallow in that area but i feel like people would try and wring more out of it than it has but maybe not it has it offers so much so (laughs) i think i'm just rambling but it it would be fascinating it is it does feel really built for it Mm -hmm. i mean we were so caught up in it that we we like tongue twisted tongue tied our way through it because it's just there's just so much to talk about there really is yeah uh, let me hit you with some hard opposites. Uh, for Beach, I went slouching in Bethlehem. Uh, towards, sorry, slouching towards Bethlehem. Uh, the reason for this is simple. It's twofold. The first thing is I don't like the beach. So <laughs> I, I don't want to... <laughs> and I also don't really like reading at the beach. I find the sun and the pages at all, just kind of the glare of it all. I don't know. It's not, not a vibe I love. And so if I'm going to be stuck in the sun reading, like I want some misery, loves company with me, and I want mm-hmm. that company. She's I don't think she's miserable, but she loves she loves a biting comment. Mm-hmm. And she is quite critical and, and very enjoyably so because she's witty and intelligent. So I think that for me would be a great partner. Also, essay collections are a great fit because you can, you know, take small bites. You can read. 10 page 15 page essay no problem you don't have to dive into a 500 page novel etc so i like the format for that the other yeah. thing though that's weirder i think you're, you're going to find weirder is for the study in a class pick i'm going with mash interesting and would it be like a literature class or would it be a war I class think, do you think i think it would be a, yeah so kind of a combo because I just think that the war literature you get in college, at least the stuff I was exposed to, is just so damn serious. I think this is a fascinating study. I I think it would make for a great... I mean, in literary terms, I think this book doesn't, I mean, maybe hold up that well or something. Like, I don't think I loved the writing per se, but I just think it's so worth throwing in a curriculum with, like, All Quiet on the Western Front and the things they carried and the Red Badge of Courage. And, like, there's just such heavy contrast between the tone of this and the approach of it. Um, Mm -hmm. You could study about how that has to do with modernism or like post-world war ii wars or the modern modern war versus ancient war i don't know you could studying this in the iliad i mean come on that's i mean that that would be its own bizarre (laughs) compare contrast i I don't know i just think there's ways you could teach this that that would be pretty insightful and would lead to a lot of bizarre discussion i think which would be fun that would be fun actually I, yeah. I just love the idea of, of reading this alongside 
um, the Odyssey or something. <laughs> I know. What a, what a strange but fun endeavor. Maybe a false comparison, false grounds for comparison on that one. But why not give it a shot, right? That's what it's for. When you're designing your curriculum, have some fun. Exactly. Kind of like a capstone book. This would be such a bizarre ending to be like, well, now we've looked at all these you know, different ways that warfare is processed. Let's take a look at one last take, the frat <laughs> angle. <laughs> Pranks angle. Uh, let's do our next pairing. The book you'd give to a friend versus a book you'd give to a parent or grandparent. How about for you? Um, so for me, for friends, because um, we share a lot, several of the same friends who we I do. think are um, pretty um, critical in some ways of, of certain things. So I think that they would really appreciate appreciate slouching towards Bethlehem. Yeah. Um, and I and I would a hundred percent just based on how much I enjoyed that collection as well, I would recommend it anyway. So to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and for my parent, um, I was thinking specifically of my mom for this one, um, which is crying in H Mart just cause, mm-hmm. um, there's so many things in, in that memoir that relate to my life with my mom. So I think that uh, I just, yeah, I related to it on a personal level, and I think my mom would too, so. Yeah, definitely. Great picks. I went very similar, if not the same, though I think I'm going to do a coward's way out here and and commit to something controversial. I think I'm going to go crying in H Mart for both which I almost never do on these split. The whole point of this activity is to pick opposites. <laughs> yeah. But I guess I guess I'm doing that just to show how crying in H-Mart can really bridge the divide, you know, yeah. between parents and parents and sons and daughters, I suppose, parents and mm-hmm. children. I think though it is hard to argue with the kind of tone cuz it's not overbearing with its style, but it knows it knows how to be pretty I don't know, barbed or unforgiving about certain conflicts in her family, certain conflicts that she has with her mother and their the kind of love-hate relationship they have. And even the hate is filled with love in a, in a way, in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this toxic love. Some of the time, some of it's also quite sincere and they have, they have true loving connections. It's not just, you know, it's not just conflict or something. But I think I actually did give a copy to my mom because whenever we're doing the books, I always try and think of things that we would both enjoy. My mom and I have both enjoy reading a lot, but have, I would say, different taste. You know, our taste overlaps like 25 to 30%, I'd say. So I'm always trying to think of those books that might stand out to her. And that was mm-hmm. definitely the one. It's it's sincere. It's honest. It's got a hint of style without really over-presenting itself. You can tell that she's a you know singer-songwriter by trade, Michelle Zahner. It's like her, her profession is the Japanese breakfast leading lady. Mm-hmm. It feels weird to say leading lady. It feels like an old theater term or something. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, she's she's the head of that band, and you can tell like she's got a she's got a poet's ear, but is not trying to lay it all out on the page, and is pretty yeah, just honest and and shows all the wounds, you know. Yeah, her and it's a food memoir as well, and her descriptions of food are just yeah. amazing. Yeah, I and I think I don't. I was trying to think in this group in particular, like what, yeah, what my friends would enjoy. I think a lot of the other stuff is just maybe a touch too indulgent 
literary for most. And Midnight Library, I thought was a bust. So yeah. I'm not recommending that to anyone. <laughs> but and the other things, when I looked over them, I just thought I, I came up with a good reason for all the others to not recommend them to friends. Is I guess how I would phrase it. For mm-hmm. all the other books, I had a good reason to say like, ah, they wouldn't like this because of X or Y or Z. And in this case, I just couldn't really come up with one. It's just so, uh, it's just so honest. And yeah. it's hard to deny that. Uh, final categories here. A book that you would use to cheer yourself up and a book you would use to mope. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. A classic <laughs> pairing. Um, so for me, for cheering up, I said um, Midnight Library. Um, even though I didn't yeah. care for the book, it's definitely something that's meant to uh, provide you with hope and, and stuff. So it's meant to be kind of an uplifting story. Um, and then to mope, I would actually say Dubliners because of Mm. like just how each of the stories in the end, like nothing really changes for any of them. And it's just kind of their, their way of life and they don't know how to extract themselves from, from, from their unhappiness. Yeah. There are some really discontent and immobilized is the word you used yeah. uh, characters in those stories too I could see that actually that's a great mope I put <laughs> I put for mope let me I guess I'll start there we we're just talking about it I put human stain mm. I don't know if mope is the right thing though with human stain it's more of like deep questioning or deep contemplating but it, so much of it is about these really big questions about the human human life, the human condition. I mean, there's a lot of talk, obviously, about relationships and sex and things. So that that kind of digs into some of that, I don't know, bigger, deeper stuff, to put it simply. And I, there's also just the American life, Bill Clinton scandal of it all. That won't stop going away. It's I don't know. There's obviously tragedy in it, too. At the heart, a lot of the story is these uh, tragedies with identity and with, you know, miscommunications between people and these disconnections and generations. So I don't know. I think human stain is just naughty or complicated, which is maybe why I chose it. But you might have a better case, I think, for Dubliners for moping. Honestly, crying in H Mart is not a bad pick for moping. Yeah, that's, yeah. I I was kind of stuck between the two. ah, But it's just so honest, and you just can't, you just can't leave fully negative because you know this person has bared her soul to you, and it's, there's just so much truth to it. It's really hard to feel sad. I mean, so much of it is just objectively tragic or sad. But then there's just, I don't know, there's beauty in it. Anyway, so Mm -hmm. I could see the case for any of those. But I I could see the case for human stain because... The mm-hmm. part of, like, from the very beginning and, and throughout, he, uh, Philip Roth, is kind of, um, like, attacking um, American society as as a society. Like, you know, yeah. the, the hypocrisy of the, the Clinton scandal and and the, um, the hypocrisy of um, academia, which is, like, a really big deal because these are the people who are educating... Our children. So, how is that affecting our society in the long run? And da da da. He's got a very negative view of American society. So, I can see that as a as a mope for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely ends in a ambiguous way that I think I will always lean into the mope when that's offered to me. <laughs> I certainly read the end of it with a certain ominousness and and tension that 
I think you could take a couple ways. And then for my cheer up, I'll end with cheer up then. Again, odd pick. I'm zagging here. I'm going with slouching it towards Bethlehem, uh, mostly because... I just like people that can be mean and be clever about it and not overbearingly so. I don't like caustic mm-hmm. writing. You know, I don't need uh, adversarial, aggressive, you know, brutal writing. But she just knows exactly how to cut into something with such surgical precision, to use the cliche. And I have to admire it. It definitely cheered me up just hearing her critique things that she wanted to. Yep kind of an ideal essayist in that sense it's i don't think it's you know she's not breaking news per se but she's giving you such a sense of tone and time and place and everything that mm-hmm. i just i don't know again i cheered up is maybe again not quite the right phrase for it but it felt like the answer i wanted to say because it was the one where i felt most you know in league with somebody yeah you know that it feels like sense. you're right there with her she's like taking you along and has her arm around your shoulder as yeah. she makes fun of california <laughs> kind of yeah. <laughs> and Hawaii. Yeah. Um, excellent. Any other categories that we missed? We'll stick with the classics. I don't think so. I think that's it. Maybe we've got to change up friend and parent next time. I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, we're, we're editing, brainstorming on the fly here. Maybe that's the one that'll go next time. Yeah, we'll think it over. we got six more <laughs> books before this comes up again. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. We've got two categories left, So, and we're about the halfway mark, so we're making good time. Um, we have a new category here, though, Amanda, which I'll do my best to explain. Did it make sense when you read it? It did, yeah. Okay. That's good. Uh, hopefully, it'll make sense to the listener as well, and I don't bungle the explanation. So, in the past, we've done quotes. It just felt too long-winded winded and not all that helpful. I, the more I thought about it, the more I just realized this episode is not the time to quote stuff. I mean, I know you and I, how much we love to dig into the actual specifics of style. I still think that is one of the essential things we offer. But that, the more I thought about it, it's just like, I don't think this episode is, that's not the point. I, I love keeping it in everything else we do, but I'm swapping it out. We're not doing quotes on this one. Instead, we are going to do what I called completely arbitrary but totally fun awards. So each of us has designed a unique award to grant every book, which hopefully by now you have at least a vague sense of what the books are about. And uh, we'll also explain our awards that we're granting. I will definitely go first because I want to at least model, you know, classic teacher mode. I'll model yeah. what this is and then you can, <laughs> if, if what I'm describing or what I've set up doesn't make any sense, you know, we'll just have to pause the recording and, and think it through. Anyway. Sure. So each of us, again, got to customize the award and describe it however we wanted to. We will then, of course, explain what the award means and why we're granting it this. It's it's similar to our Hall of Fame, I guess is how we'd think of it, but just in a broader sense and kind of a more clippy, you know, fast sense. Also, maybe a little bit more uh, flip or fun. Uh, for Slashing Towards Bethlehem, we'll go in the same order that we read in. I am going to give it the Sunsets Can Be Depressing Award for tone, basically, because... Mm. She has an essay about Hawaii where she just really hates being in Hawaii <laughs> and does not get the vibe and doesn't understand the appeal. But, you know, I'm summarizing, obviously, it's more than that. But I just think that if you want a read that no, doesn't contradict things that America holds dear, but certainly has some critiques to offer of things that we too often assume are great, I think this book does that really well. And again, she's just such a sharp critic and is a great voice. So I'm awarding yeah. her the Sunsets Can Be Depressing Award. I love it. Um, I am going to award her the Neutral, but not really Neutral Journalism Award. Mm. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the times, especially now, um, there's a lot of criticism of, of journalism being very heavy-handed in its bias. 
And although, um, as you've mentioned, she does critique certain elements in her essays, it's actually very subtly done. She doesn't outright say that one thing is better than the other. Instead, she uses tone and she uses descriptions and she uses um, quotes from people that she's interviewed to kind of create this, this hint of how she feels towards the things that she's writing about. And I think that she just is amazing with that. Yeah. Such a great voice, really unique and quite literary in her own way, even though it's Mm -hmm. nonfiction, but of course they had the skill of rhetoric, you know, that's what it's for. Yeah. Next book up for awards is mash. I am going to give it the, uh Oh, was I like that once award for moral (laughs) dubiousness and, and bad male behavior. I I don't know. This is such an odd thing when this happens because I know I have my own history of mistakes and male-driven patterns of behavior that are bad and toxic and whatever, and I'm older now and can look back and, yeah, I'm just going to, like, stream of consciousness this thought. But essentially, like, I just looked at it and was kind of annoyed by the characters but also there is some honesty to it so i i don't i had such a mixed reaction to this one but that's my final thought and it was like well gosh i hope i'm not looking in a mirror here (laughs) um yeah that was my my big reaction to it that makes sense um mine is kind of aligned to that um which is the what is morality award because there's a lot Mm. of question of what is moral behavior in in that novel for me like what does it mean to go too far and when should you take it too far or should you ever take like stuff like that um but yeah it's just it's like what what does it mean to even be moral and are these characters moral so yeah yeah no totally it's I don't want to say more. Uh, if it was for you, we're here not to not to spoil, <laughs> at least not too much. I know how much people are kind of protective or sensitive of that, and so mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I almost don't want to say more. But it does raise good questions of morality. It's a great award. Next one up, third book, The Midnight Library. I'm giving this a simple award, Amanda, and it's long overdue. I can't believe it took me this long to award this. Though this is the first day we've ever done this segment. I'm going to give this the Why Do We Ever Listen to Goodreads Award because <laughs> I have to stop picking books that are popular on there. And and to be honest, which our last segment is checking Goodreads rankings, it's not even the, the like most um, it's not even the best rated book in this grouping, but it's it's so reviewed. Like so many people have reviewed this book. I think it's one of the most reviewed books on there. It has almost a million reviews, which is oh an insane gosh. number. That's like a ludicrous number. I, the next most popular book on this list in terms of reviews, I don't even know if the next most popular broke a hundred thousand, and this one almost has a million. And I did pick it explicitly because I knew it was kind of an internet phenomenon. No more. I just refuse to ever again to pick based on Goodreads or like even it's funny, too, because I follow like book critics and websites that I trust and none of them talked about this book and I picked it anyway. So I'm just an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, yeah. Goodreads. You failed this. Um, No more. No more. Goodreads. No more. No more. Um, Yeah. Mine is. Equally negative, and uh, the award for this one is oh, yeah. the Insert Cliché Award. Um, mm. Thematically, metaf- all the metaphors, it, there weren't a whole lot, but descriptions, all of it, it was just very, very cliched. 
and predictable. It's pretty. It's pretty. There's a fine line between satisfaction and predictability because obviously you want narratives to make sense and to align and to have good purposeful foreshadowing, so to speak. But this crossed the line. This is not even. It's so predictable and bland. It's it's not even like well made. It's it's too well made. You know, it's a plastic chair. It's not it's not beautiful. It's just it just is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, um, next book up, Crying in H Mart. I do not remember why I wrote this award. This is the problem with doing this like a week or two in advance. <laughs> I, I give it the right place, right time award. I can at least try and assume why I wrote this a week ago <laughs> or a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's because if you know, I'm pretty confident I know why I wrote this. I think it's because if you read this at the wrong emotional time, this book might be too intense or it might be a little too raw. And so mm. you, you just have to know going in that it's really pretty brutal about its relationships. Um, brutal in the like emotional honesty sense again it's not like vulgar or anything or gross but it it just doesn't hold back i doubt we talked about this throughout but i doubt there's anything she cut that's you know insightful or intense or something it seems like everything that she really needed to say about her family she was able to say every frustration and every beautiful moment and every you know pain of of cancer and even with the treatments and kind of the technicalities almost of how she had to care for her mom that stuff is in there too so there's also some really just intense things about caring for someone at the end of their life when their body fails and other things like that it's yeah, it's just it's just raw. And so I think that's why I said right place, right time award. You just can't you just don't want to go into this book unaware and just because yeah. it, it could I, th- I could see somebody really being put off by it. Just oh. thinking like, I don't need this right now, but it's it's worth it. Yeah, I think that's that's a great way to put that. You definitely if you're looking for something that's not going to hit a certain emotional register, like, yeah, don't don't read this right now. Yeah. <clears throat> um, for me. I wrote um, the man, uh, the man that sounds delicious award. <clears throat> Sorry, award because everything that she, every description of food, I was just like, and, and a lot of it is Korean food. Yeah, and I was just like, oh my gosh, mouth watering, like wanted to eat it right away. I had like the entire time I was reading that book, I was just hungry. So <laughs> a great award too, because I've. In this podcast, I've skewed so heavily towards the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. You can't ignore the food. It's in the title. She loves, yeah. they love food. She loves writing about food. Food is how she understands her family and understands the world, I would say. Mm-hmm. So much good food writing in the book. Yeah. It's a great award. Yeah. Any any one dish that you remember? Um, there's a couple of dishes. Uh, she, but the... One that I associate the most with, like, family is the, the chicken, the fried chicken with her aunt. Yeah, and some beer. Yep. Cold beer and fried chicken. Ugh. Humanity hasn't got everything right, but we got that. <laughs> <laughs> we did that, so way to go us. Next book up, Dubliners, James Joyce short story collection. Uh, I do remember why I gave this award. I'm giving this the Oh Yeah, Oh Shit Award for realizing that James Joyce is really good at writing. (laughs) Again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think, too, I also want to give this award because my reaction to the uh, collection of short stories was that uh, some of them just never registered for me. I really think some of them are going to be a little lost to time. They're just too specific 
too in the weeds, too dialect laden, too honestly too specific. I know I said that, but it's just like, man, I can't unpack the world you've established in this. Like, do you remember the political one in the boardroom or whatever? Yes. The drawing room? It's just like, yeah. man, I, there's no foothold for me in here. Like, I don't get these jokes. I don't get the re- like. I'd have to read a thousand footnotes to understand why this is funny, you know. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, it's like I was checking the footnotes and trying, but and so stories like that, I was like, I don't know about this. I mean, it's obviously quite good, specific, and that's impressive. But then there were stories where he writes a sentence and you're like ah yeah shit that is like a perfect sentence there's like Mm -hmm. absolutely no way to fix this (laughs) this is like the best possible version of this thing he wanted to say and it's you know in a literary sense is balanced and achieves something really excellent and so I just had that reaction really often because and I think with short story collections you and I agree like I don't need or even really want every story to be a slam dunk home run sports cliche etc it's just like give me some genius sprinkle in some genius and like try some bold stuff and so yeah. oh yeah shit he did that yeah mine is also related to his style um mine is the wow that's not the writing i remember from school award mm. um just because like uh, from what i remembered he was <clears throat> very Lots of stream of consciousness, lots of big words, lots of syntactical choices that convoluted his meaning. Um, But this, I mean, from a sentence to sentence analysis, it's just like concise, it's to the point, it clearly conveys the description that he wants to get across, the feeling that he wants to get across. It's just really great writing. Yeah. Maybe something he's not known for, but it did feel like he had pretty close command and control because with stream of consciousness, some of it is, I mean, obviously it's all intentional and presumably edited or thought about, et cetera. It's not like it's random, but it is, you know, long winded and luxuriating in itself. And this doesn't really feel like that at all. It feels Mm -hmm. quite controlled. And so I understand now why this, I don't know if this was his first, you know, major published thing, but it has kind of that feeling of somebody starting out and just kind of having some literary ambition and showing it, realizing it. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, yeah, a good award. Final novel or final book, rather the human stain by Philip Roth. The, <laughs> this is, I gave this one a goofy award or like funny award. I did really like this book, which we'll get to, but I gave it the please God never write about your own profession award because <laughs> it's just it's just too indulgent for me, I think. I just can't take it. Don't make movies about movies. Don't make books about writing books. Just stop it. I just, I'm just so sick of the kind of meta commentary. And, and I get that it's like unavoidable, even perhaps in a sense, it's almost kind of noble because you have to examine your own life and it's good to write that honesty and, and stuff. So it's, it is a, you know, I'm being a little bit I don't know, overly sarcastic about it. But the the things in this book that exhausted me, the parts that I did hate, were the parts like that were a little bit too much about being a professor or a little bit too much about being an author. Mm-hmm. And I just think that this is something I've gotten bored with over time in my in my time as a person, you know, consuming stories and art. I'm just tired of art about itself, and especially with movies and books, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's a good one. Mine is kind of related to that. Um, Overall, like you, I enjoyed The Human Stain, but my award is going to come off as kind of negative. But yeah, yeah. But I I would like to add yes, I I did enjoy it. Um, So my award is the I'm just going to ignore this one thing award. 
Um, mm. Which is, I'm going to ignore that final twist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, it's... I don't know how we phrased it on the book recommendation episode. If you are a true first-time listener, we do book recommendations for every book we talk about so go check out some of those episodes after this one then if any of these books sound intriguing to you um i don't know how we framed it on that episode but it's such a critical thing and the book really leaves it until late to to do this kind of twist or revelation i also again reading some of the reviews of human stain i i do think i do think that was something we were kind of supposed to know but I just didn't assume it or didn't know it, which meant when it was revealed to me, it frustrated me a lot. <laughs> and so, because I, I feel like a lot of the reviews mentioned that as if we should have known it too, and that frustrated me more. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's quite a it's quite a heavy load that one. If you're gonna read it, I think um, not to pat ourselves on the back, but our discussions are are entertaining and insightful. I think, and also. I just can't imagine reading that book and not talking about it with somebody. So we're here for you if you decide to take it on. It would be such a strange book to just have to think about in your own, let let live in your own mind and not like, Mm -hmm. not unpack it. It's just so, it's just so dense and has so much stuff going on. So yeah, it was a great one. Okay. Any other thoughts on the awards? No, that was fun. Yeah, it was. It's cool. I thought it would be a little bit more of an in-depth like way to do the kind of associations in, in a sense, but a little, mm. little bit more criticism too, a little more analytical. Anyway, yeah. let's talk about personal rankings. This is our final segment. So it looks like uh, the timing on this is going to work out too, Amanda. Three cheers yeah. for us. We're going to come in in an hour, I think. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> again, ed- editor's note, we're going to leave in the pod. Um, personal rankings. So what we do at the end is we give our own ranking of the six books. I know some people just really like lists and really want to know the order. So we, we deliver that to you, the listeners. We know what you want. We're going to give it to you. And then we also compare our rankings against Goodreads, which we will keep doing. I know I made fun of Goodreads earlier and will continue to do so. But it is at the moment the best possible like database about how readers enjoy books there's that was kind of a weird way to phrase that but there's no obviously you and i on the podcast we we actually talk about real criticism like real you know artistic thoughtful essay style criticism like that's what we engage with so we don't really engage Mm -hmm. with goodreads deeply but i think this is the perfect episode still for it i mean are you still pro using goodreads I am, yeah. So we can make it, fun of it. <laughs> yeah, that that has been our that's been kind of what we what we get up to. I also just think it's also great to sample the public as best as we can. It's an impossible task, but there's just no other database that has their wide wide swath of data. So we're yeah. going to use it and we're going to keep using it. Uh, and at this point, we've done enough of these to know our own tendencies and how we connect or don't with Goodreads. So we'll, we'll sprinkle that in as we go. Should we go? How do we normally do this from top down or bottom up? Do you remember? Uh, we do. Yeah. Top down. I think. Top right? down. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah, Let's celebrate the stuff we love first. Why not? I mean, at this point, the listeners just want to know, hey, at the end of the day, what should I really read? Let's give that to them. Um, Goodreads. Let's start with them. The number one book on Goodreads, and their ranking system is out of five, five stars, and they'd go to the second decimal. So that's what the numbers mean. Crying in H Mart, number one, with a 4.32. Anything over a 4.0 uh, on Goodreads is, I would say, liked, if not loved, but it's it's a strong score, anything over a 4, and that's that's well over. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, it makes sense to me. Um, crying in H Mart, we, we loved it. We absolutely loved it, and stylistically, we've really enjoyed it as well, and it, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. 
No, me neither. I was a little surprised that Midnight Library didn't take that spot, but we'll mm. explore that in a minute, and I'll, I think I'll understand why that happened. But no, you just can't deny it, and I think H-Mart does the thing where it's going to satisfy the kind of more annoying readers like us who want to, like carefully pick through something and then also casual readers who just want to kind of read something fast over a weekend and then never you know put it down and not really think about it anymore Mm -hmm. also a good way to read something and i think it can do both because of her style so i yeah i wasn't surprised either i guess i will get to midnight library in a minute but that was the only thing that maybe surprised me a bit my number one is Slouching Towards Bethlehem. It was a tough pick uh, because I think my number two is close, but I, I feel confident saying Slouching Towards Bethlehem is the best in the, in the slot here in the group. Uh, great voice, incredible essay writing, just so sharp and witty. And she just doesn't overstay her welcome in the essays. I think that's of all the things to admire about her writing, of which there's a lot. It just, she knows exactly when to let something end, which is a tougher writer's quality than it sounds like to have. And so, yeah, Joan Didion, Essay Collection, I feel quite confident saying it's my number one. How about for you? Same. Uh, She's also my number one. She just, uh, she's a masterful writer and observer of of the times and of the place that she was at at that time. And I just... I appreciated everything that she wrote. And even though it's like, you know, a a particular time that I am not necessarily invested in. um, Right. Right. I still was just like consuming her writing. Like, Oh my gosh, it's just so well done. Um, It was just really interesting and, and such a great read that you can take a break from if you want to as well. Not that I I ever needed to, but it's just, it's true. It's neither time nor place that I am deeply invested in or deeply want to understand. Like the the American West, California, plus the hippie generation. Like I, you know, I feel like I know those things okay, but I don't, it's not where my reading interest I want to spend time with. And Mm -hmm. so to do it so well, I agree. It was surprising, but in the best possible way. Excellent. A strong, strong number one. And yeah, couldn't recommend it more. So there's a there's a read to take away. Speaking of that, Goodreads number two. This did surprise me. So slouching towards Bethlehem is the number two in Goodreads. It's a four point one nine. So mm-hmm. you know four point two. I guess it only surprised me because again I expected the Midnight Library to be higher than a lot yeah. of this. The Midnight Library checks a lot of the Goodreads kind of traditional boxes. It's accessible, maybe a little bit simplistic and cliched, frankly, but oh well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seems like something that people would gravitate to, which they did. We'll get to it. But yeah. Slashing towards Bethlehem is strong number two. Any thoughts? Yeah. Did that surprise you? It, it kind of did, but then I remember that like Joan Didion is is really well known. Apparently, um, right. I, I I'd never read anything by her before, uh, but she's got a couple of other works out that I know have received a lot of um, accolades. So yeah, yeah, it makes sense. She, she does kind of break through into the bigger pop culture consciousness, I think. Yeah. I don't think any of her fiction ever really did, although I know some of it got good reviews. But as a kind of essayist critic type, I know that she's held up to high standards. So yeah. I was I was very happy to see her at their number two. Yeah, so Slashing is number two on theirs, number one for us. Uh, my number two is The Human Stain, the mm. very frustrating but interesting to study and think about novel by Philip Roth. I will say I was almost embarrassed how much I liked it because it has such problems <laughs> and it's and it's trying so hard. It's obviously just such a 
considered literary grandiose type of book but amanda i was brought up in it you know what can i i can't run from my training i had to access my training i yeah it was strange almost how quickly i slept or i slept slipped i guess i slept in a way but slipped back into this mode and i i even surprised myself there were obviously some some runs or pages in the book chapters sections where i thought like okay this is going on a bit long you know like even for me you've had i've had my fill of this you know three-page monologue or whatever but on the whole i just found it so fun to think about even if parts that i hated and Mm -hmm. it's bold and it has such ideas even if some of them are rotten and some are confusing i enough of them clicked or were intriguing to to stay with me yeah i don't it's not a book that moved me maybe uh it had some parts that maybe did but i don't know sometimes you just think about something and it's just so fun to think about that's a good way to put it. Um, it's not my number two simply because of mm-hmm. some of the issues that we've we've talked about in the, the episodes. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun to think about and to talk about. And it was it was really great to just kind of go back to like undergrad and, and grad school thinking like yeah. an analysis that I, I really enjoyed that aspect, too. But but yeah. my number two is actually um, crying in H Mart. Just because yeah. I, I personally just related so much to that, and and it was just so well written, and I I just I find that um actually I really appreciate a good food memoir. I think that that genre to me, I just really appreciate it on on oh, a stylistic yeah. level. Interesting. I like it. Yeah, we've done Blood Bones and Butter as well, and that was a fun read. That was a fun read. I found her voice though was a bit grating for me. She was very. She's like the opposite of Joan Didion, right? Like, <laughs> mm. oh, interesting. Extremely okay, extremely caustic. Say, I thought you were going to say the opposite of Zauner because, in a way, they're both they're both so hampered with with kind of to- family toil or whatever, mm-hmm. but they, they're so different about it yeah. and how they, how they convey it and stuff. But no, you're right about that too. I, I think she has more in common actually, I would say with D- Didion because I think they have bolder voices than Zoner. Mm-hmm. Zoner's voice is so, I don't know. It's, it's so measured and careful. And, and again, it's, it's like this very light poetic, like intense. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's as bold as either of those, but mm-hmm. like that kind of makes it work too. Yeah, um, the the material is obviously quite bold and really intense and serious, but the voice is just that bit reserved. Again, it's yeah, it's like singer songwriter poetic. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, very subtle. So those are our top two. Uh, very strong for me. All of those pretty unequivocal recommendations. Um, number three on Goodreads, we've arrived, Amanda. The Midnight <laughs> Library. It's still cracked a four so four point zero six right there at the at the boundary. Here's the thing, though. It had almost a million reviews. <laughs> Like the other ones barely crack a hundred K, like I said, and that's at the very high end. So I obviously, I think part of this is when you get to that number, there's going to be so much skepticism or, you know, people who are critical in the negative sense that creep in, which is fine. I mean, we, we hated this book. So, you know, it's like, what can I say? I'd rate it a one. So who am I to, (laughs) I'm not like saying that Goodreads is bogus or something, but I do think that makes sense. Cause I, again, going into this, I would have predicted it was the best book or not best number one rated book on Goodreads by far. It's number three, still over a 4.0, which seems to be the kind of like, we, what we found is that we tend to like the 3.0 and above rated ones in the three zone because they're usually a bit more like 
a little naughtier, a little more challenging, a little more literary. And the 4.0 mark seems to be where they keep, you know, things that have a bit more of a simple mass appeal, which is mm-hmm. fine in its own way. But their top two in this grouping, though, I was thrilled. H Mart, Bethlehem, like, couldn't, yeah, that's great. And then this is number three. Yeah, I wonder if um, with Goodreads as well, like the the for the top two are actually nonfiction works. Like it, yeah. if we look at it from a nonfiction versus a fiction point of view, like perhaps the fiction it tends to be a little bit lower ranking than the nonfiction. We'll have to go back it could maybe be. And, and take a look at some of our other rankings but i think that honestly could be and it does make sense it's when you approach a novel or short story there's just i think there's a lot of kind of like genre or even style barriers to get over so Mm -hmm. so yeah it's their number three which frankly it's barely a novel it's basically a self-help book so it's basically (laughs) nonfiction, honestly (laughs) uh that's their number three and my number three is crying in h mart i won't add more except to say i debated between that and human stain for number two forever crying in Mm -hmm. h mart's fantastic there's nothing new i could say about it at this point if if it sounds like something that'll hit you in the right way just go read it it's really excellent so that's my number three how about for you my number three is actually dubliners i just yeah i really enjoyed the stories even the ones that didn't necessarily work my my copy also didn't have a million footnotes like yours did um (laughs) <laughs> Mine had so many. So many of the stories had over a hundred, and these are like twenty-page stories. <laughs> yeah, um, but just I, I loved how punchy each of the stories was, and like the character depth was like I, I really loved the analysis there, and his mm-hmm. opening lines for each story too. They were just so. Uh, like yeah, I mean, we call them hooks, right? Like there's a reason, and it hooked me every time. And I just I thought that he was just so on point with with this collection. So it was my number three. Excellent. Yeah, I had a hard time with Dubliners, which I'll explain in a second, um, but a very worthy number three. I think that and Human Stain have just such... Well, they have very little in common in a lot of senses, but in another sense, in terms of the kind of mental load you have to take on to really, Mm -hmm. really deal with those reads, I think they're in the same boat then. Mm -hmm. Um, Goodreads number four, we're in the back half now, is MASH with a 3.94, which again, sounds very similar to Midnight Library, but what we've found in our our very informal research is that the 4.0 cutoff is a bit of a demarcation line on Goodreads, I think. Mm -hmm. So when you get into the threes, no matter what the three ranking is, you're dealing with something that people on that website have a, a much more complicated not positive reaction to. Um, I'm not surprised by this. I would have bet any amount of money that the human stain and Dubliners would be last in the Goodreads rankings. I would have bet literally anything that that would happen. So (laughs) the fact that MASH sneaks in above those is not at all surprising to me. Any thoughts on MASH being number four? Nope, not at all. It's, it makes total sense to me. Yeah. Accessible, a little goofy. Um, My number four is not MASH, so it's Dubliners. Uh, Again, couldn't decide quite where to put it, but in the end, I there were just enough of the stories that didn't work for me that it's not like it offsets his genius, which is apparent in other stories. So if you're, I think again, if you have even a tiny bit of curiosity about Joyce, or if you just want a more literary short story collection, something in the 19th and 20th century sense of that term, in in the sense of the style, in the sense of the kind of expectation of knowing some devices, knowing some literary terms that you can think about and and having stories that are not going to be too obvious. Um, 
an excellent read for those reasons. I think it's it's worthy for sure. I, I feel quite confident recommending our top four, especially the first, you know, one, two, threes that we both had. Mm-hmm. And Dubliners, I think, slots into that too. Maybe, maybe like, again, that touch, touch less confident recommending it, but it's great. So I feel confident saying that. Yeah. Um, my number four is Human Stain. And yeah. Um, for me as well, like the human stain in Dubliners, as I, I found some similarities too in, in the accessibility as far as like a mass appeal, simply because oh, yeah. human stain as well. I mean, there are some words there that like you and I stumbled over and. <laughs> oh, definitely. And just and laugh it off. I mean, what can you yeah. do? I don't. Yeah. English is a vast language. I, I feel no shame in vocabulary at this point. Yeah. Same <laughs> I'll leave here. that for high schoolers and undergrads to feel embarrassed <laughs> about. I don't care. <laughs> Just know your SAT words, guys. You know, of the 800,000 or whatever English, it's like, okay, fine. I'll learn a new word today. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I enjoyed the human stain. I I really did. I've enjoyed uh, almost almost everything that we've read in this grouping. (laughs) Um, But uh, ultimately for me, human stain... Uh, versus Dubliners, I found Dubliners was more approachable. Also, it's more bite-sized, right? Because they're in short stories. Right, Whereas sometimes right. with the human, I mean, it has chapters, but really it's more like parts, and they're long, longer, yeah, and dense, and so dense. And then also, he does play with a little bit some of the stream of consciousness and stuff like that. And you can't just like randomly take a break from that. You have to finish that, <laughs> otherwise you just won't find your place again. Um, oh, it's so true. But, such a a flowy book you gotta get you gotta find the flow gotta find the rhythm with it and slide in yeah but that's that's why for me it's it's lower in the ranking rather than higher yeah makes sense i just went bolder i had to be honest with myself it's definitely Mm -hmm. a ranking well i mean obviously these are personal rankings these are not like what would we try and sell at a bookstore rankings (laughs) Mm -hmm. these are just yeah but i know you're 100 percent right it's so hard to access that book in a way yeah and i'm embarrassed to admit that i did it all too easily it yeah made a lot of sense (laughs) to me (laughs) um let's end with both the goodreads five and six together because they're close enough the human stain came in at number five with a 3.9 uh flat 3.9 and dubliners is number six with a 3.85 yeah i mean i know those numbers are somewhat significantly different but they're interchangeable i i there's zero surprise here that's exactly yeah. where those books would end up yeah. every tony morrison book has ended up in the three point whatever range the high threes yeah. like um what was the oh shoot the immigrant one the uh chang ray lee was it oh what yeah was that book called? um that Father's? was the um uh I forget. I know. It's like a father identity immigrant. Well, things like that. (laughs) Things written by experimental authors writing in a literary tradition that's more formal. Native son. Okay. Native speaker. Native speaker. Native speaker. Native son, a book by Richard Wright, I think. Also, also, I can assure you would have a three-point whatever rating on Goodreads. Um, (laughs) Anything you're going to find in a bit of an undergrad class, stuffy or not, is going to be a three-point whatever on Goodreads. So, (laughs) uh, least surprising rankings in the world there. Uh, We await our crossover hit. King was maybe the closest we got, though I know in in the the highbrow literary circles he's not so esteemed. I think he maybe has deserves a touch more credit than than that but mm-hmm. anyway so maybe he was the closest will come i don't know and and did tony morrison one of her books may have broken a 4.0 maybe i yeah anyway 
things to ponder later. Um, my number five <laughs> and six, which again, I'll, we'll do these at the same time. My number five is MASH because at least it had some parts that were kind of funny and humorous, but again, it's just such an odd war book and I just couldn't quite get over the, the kind of juvenile tone of some of it. But then again, I, it felt honest too, so I'll give it credit for that. And I, I know warfare is not just, you know, brutal suffering at all times. It's, you know, some waiting and boredom and hijinks. So, you know, it's like I'm not saying it's false. I'm saying I didn't need to read about frat jokes for a novel length <laughs> or whatever. Um, and The Midnight Library is number six because that book is terrible. I'm sorry. It's just not good. It's like I dislike so much about it from the execution to the premise to the writing to the cloying messages, to the cliches, to, I don't know. I mean, I know I wasn't this harsh in the recommendation because we always try and, we, we want people to read with us, right? Don't we? Right. Yeah. <laughs> we want people we to like, yeah. join us in the discussion. <laughs> and that, that's what, is that what we're doing here? That's what we're doing. <laughs> um, but it was tough coming out of that one. Also, I think I am a little harsher towards it because I picked it. So, you know, you're always more ashamed of your own words and deeds. So it's like, I brought that into this. <laughs> that's my mistake. I, I am the one. I am the problem. I am the error. And I just couldn't, yeah, I just couldn't get over it in a sense like I... I don't know what else to say. It should have been a self-help blog that was a two thousand words, and I could have gotten the could have gotten everything I needed. Yep, yep. And, How about and figure there, five and six? So same. Five is Mash, and six is okay. Midnight Library. Um, yeah, Mash. I I enjoyed. I found it really entertaining. The reason for me that it's five rather than um, higher up is like I mean I think that the others have a literary element to them, which I I always look for when I read something but a mash was entertaining there were some really interesting points that were being made um, but ultimately the style was not something that I would want to like necessarily study or talk about um, so that's mm. why it's it's ranked lower for me um, Midnight Library yeah, sure. is number six because I also just really did not like it and it was just so predictable I mean we we were so hopeful at in the very middle with that one like possible twist. We were like, yes, something, something that might be different. No, nope, no, nope. nothing so. to complicate this book. Yeah, I, there are always two types of book discussion. I hesitate to call it criticism because sometimes it's just a reaction or a you know a way of approaching literature. But there's two of these things that and even in real book clubs we've done or that I've done always bugs me. I at least don't like starting book discussions with these conversations. One is I found it predictable. And two is I didn't like the characters or like I didn't care about them or whatever. Mm -hmm. However that gets phrased. Um, I didn't want to hang out with them. I did. Yeah, I didn't like them is how it's normally conveyed. Yeah. Uh, those two lines of criticism I don't enjoy much because... I don't think that's the point of literature in, in either direction. Like, I don't think the point of a good story is that you should, it's not a mystery box that you should have to unpack or predict or guess or what, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And also like when you're writing a complex, interesting character, like is just the most banal reaction to have to something like mm -hmm. that. I don't, <laughs> I mean, I think those are decent jumping off points maybe to get at something more interesting, but anyway, that's my own soapbox. However, as we just talked about the Midnight Library, like the predictability becomes a problem just because 
It is a person who outlines the book at the beginning of the book and then never yeah. strays from the outline, which is really frustrating because it's very nonfiction-y to do that. But it's like, I don't need, I don't come to a novel to read a thesis. That's why I go to a blog and like sometimes a bad essay. Like think of the Joan Didion essays. They have ideas. They have themes. I don't think there's a thesis per se. You could maybe tease some out of those and like come away with maybe a mood or a bit of a summary of a thesis, but it's not so cut and dry. I don't think it's so hyper clear. And like, this is fiction. He wrote a novel with a more clear thesis than some of that nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the the problem. Um, call that predictability if you want. Call it just simplicity. Call it whatever. But it's just, uh, it was just too brutally obvious or something. And it just yeah. didn't... It didn't get, it didn't do anything for me, which is unfortunate to say, but I was, I was looking for any foothold, you know? Yeah. Whether it's an idea or some of the philosophy he wanted to engage with or some of the, uh, the characters are pretty paper thin, you know, like that's another thing I guess we didn't really talk much about. I don't know. Not much to say. I feel strongly about the group of six on the whole, even if somebody listened to this and they're like, I don't know about MASH. I, I agree with you. MASH is kind of entertaining and it's a, it's maybe a weird relic in my view, but also some of those relics are fun to uncover. It's like mm-hmm. fun to unearth this cultural thing <laughs> from, from a time before in, in a sense time, you know, before even the Vietnam war, which is kind of interesting to think about. Um, a lot of disillusionment crept in in that war and this this has some like early shades of that so that's kind of an interesting way to approach it so it's like yeah if somebody listened to this episode and thought i'm gonna read mash anyway i'd yeah i'd be like yeah i mean it's worth it the only mm-hmm. one i feel strongly about saying do not read is this last one so yeah <laughs> in yeah. my library 100 uh, yeah the rest hopefully we were effusive enough about to give you some reading ideas listener any final thoughts on midnight library uh no no yeah well we'll never talk about it again except for occasionally when friends ask me what we've been reading and i'm always like well avoid this or read this and so at least i can have that in the memory bank now but like you know Mm -hmm. what just don't just don't read that (laughs) um just move on anyway all right that's our highlights episode hopefully one of those six books sounds like a good worthwhile read again we were pretty effusive about a couple of them so hopefully things like slouching and h mart you will check out in addition to the other ones that we also really liked uh as always we thank you for listening until the end of the episode again hope you got a reading recommendation we have been the lightly literary podcast find us on instagram and facebook under that handle it's just at the lightly literary podcast which is all one word by the way so nice and simple follow us again on um any podcast platform of your choosing spotify itunes are the big ones for most people but we're up on i think most of them at this point so check us out let us know if we're not up on any of those just give me a shout on the social media platforms if we're missing on one of them and i'll get that updated um what is the next book we have coming up amanda do you do you even know do i know yeah the the sun and soccer <laughs> oh yes it's soccer and sun and shadow which is a non-fiction yeah. very brief essays like two page long little musings almost like little what are those called when it's short stories short short uh, story? <laughs> yeah they're like super short they're like snapshots uh not it's vignettes. like yeah, um, vignettes. But no, yeah. that's it. It's like almost like nonfiction vignettes, <laughs> micro essays about soccer. It seems pretty poetic is how I would, that would be my pitch. Mm-hmm. A more poetic view of the game than just technical rules and stuff like that. And it's not even really much, it's not even like a technical history either. It's much more just like musings about what the sport means to this person and and kind of why the game is important to him. So 
we'll see how it goes. I tried to pick something about sports that wouldn't be too burdensome and hopefully interesting. We'll see. I, I just started reading it and I find it interesting thus far. Nice. And you're not, you're our non-soccer fan. So we have uh, your perspective yeah. and then I am a fan. <laughs> so we have mine. It'll be for a good, I think, compare contrast to you and mm-hmm. I reading it together. So excellent. So that'll be our next book coming up. Check out our podcast feed to keep up with that. We'll have a recommendation and then the book club episodes in the feed. Again, thanks for listening all the way through. We appreciate it as ever. Leave us a five-star rating wherever you're at before taking off today. It helps a ton and we do appreciate it. And as always, we'll see you between the pages. 